Welcome to TA1, everything you want to know about adventure racing and then some. I'm your host, legendary Randy Erickson, and I don't want to say I told you so, but I told you so. World Championships coming to Wyoming in 2017. Um, I don't know why people didn't think that it was going to happen after we had Mike on the uh, podcast, but uh, hey, score one for the good guys, that would be me. So I'm looking forward to being uh, very popular with people in the next year as they uh, want to come visit us for a little bit, maybe just go into Wyoming and check it out or whatever. And it's going to be really nice to uh, really know what's going on and where we're going and all the little gravel roads and stuff at a world championship. So that will be that it's a long way well it's not a long ways away like 14 months and we know how that goes next thing you know it'll be here so um talking to shane hagerman today this recorded this a little bit ago right after um belize and the maya mountain adventure challenge and then got busy with uh god's own um don't worry we will have plenty of god's own episodes uh, got a lot of things in the work um that we'll be talking to people and some teams and just some different things. It'll be kind of fun, I think. So um, be plenty of God's own stuff coming up. Uh, for me, yes, uh, looks like I'm going to be home for a while, at least until probably till Cowboy Tough. Um, you never know. Things change, but uh, we'll figure that out as it goes. Um, so probably just better work a little bit. Take Chili Dog out on some hiking. Um, I have my big uh, multimedia presentation show next Thursday, the 28th. So if you want to come to Rapid City, it is free. And uh, I'll buy you pizza afterwards if you want. So um, you just got to get here on your own. But um, kind of cool. It's going to just uh, kind of a question and answer. Got a few, a uh, couple of videos um, from Belize and God's own, you know, going through pictures and just telling stories and answering questions. And we're interspersing it with some uh, little short videos I did of the of a poetry that poetry contest. So I did some stuff with the winners of that. So we'll be showing those also. So it won't just be me. There'll actually be some entertainment during the night. Um, guess that's it. Uh, thanks for listening. Go fast, take chances, and um, support your local adventure racer. Bye. Are you there? I am here. How are you, Randy? Doing good. And all the buttons and knobs are working, so. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, so. Uh, unlike, uh, what was two weeks ago, I, I can't remember who I was talking to, but I had. Um, I had an echo in my headphones, and that's very uh, disconcerting to hear yourself a, a few milliseconds later. Oh, that that was your interview or your uh, your podcast with Emily. Yep, that's what it was. But I figured that part yep. out. I figured the yep. technical out, so we're good to go. Cool, cool. So. How you been? Um, good actually. Busy. Getting the you know, few things few leftover things from Belize taken care of and monster trucks and yep. starting to think about packing again. 
Just thinking, you haven't started making the pile that gets moved to the other pile yet? No, because it was only like Sunday that I got everything put away. Oh, geez. I don't, you know what? I still don't have everything put away from Belize. Yeah. So, well, it's like, you know, you put it away when you need it, right? Um. Yeah, really, when I start packing for the next trip is about two weeks out, I'll, I'll start going through everything that I haven't put away and, you know. Everything's washed, but it's the little things. It's the, oh, shoot, I got to you know, change a bite valve on a bladder or yeah. repair a rip pack, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Well, part of mine is I, Mike Closure sent me one of the 45-liter packs, the AS3. Yeah. So I moved everything over to that, and I've been using that. So, um, What do you think I, of it? I, I like the material on it. It reminds me of um, the real old Gregory pack that I love that they stopped making. I really like it, but it's too much for everyday use. Right. So, um, yeah, I'll probably use it rest of this week, and then when I start packing, I'll I'll put my my two back in, and then put it back together, and save the three for big trips. So, but no, I really like it. I, I like how huge the pockets are on it. Yep. Um, it, you know, it's like everything's just scaled up a little bit more, so it's good. Um, I've actually been using it without the, you know, it comes with a, a, a stays and a plastic uh, stiffener. Right. And, but I took it out and I kind of like it better without it. So just, uh, just especially for daily use, it makes, right. it, it makes it just fit a little better. I think for, if you really were going to, you know, racing or, you know, use it for two weeks in the back country, you'd probably want that in because... It sure. sure fits nice. So Well, it's gonna depend on what you've got in it too and how yeah. you pack it. Yeah. You know. Had to, this is uh, welcome to Pack Talk with Shane Hagerman. Um <laughs> we can do that all night, buddy. That's one of my gear and kit is one of my passions. So we we could do a whole series of just that. Yeah. I actually talked to a guy who's uh going to school for industrial design and wanted some feedback on what packs are like for AR. So I said, I yeah, think I, I can think, probably help you. Yeah, I saw that. You actually that was on the adventure racing discussion on Facebook. Yeah. Uh, so. Yeah, I saw that. And he got some interesting comments and some pretty good feedback. And I saw that you'd you'd asked him to move it to a side conversation. So that was cool yeah. So we actually did a interview. My most the funnest thing I took out of it was he's like, well, um, how do adventure racers pack their pack? <laughs> and I'm like. Stuff stuff shit in it as fast as they can. <laughs> yeah, it, it depends, right? Is it the beginning yeah. of the race and the night before when you pack it eight times and nothing even fits? Yeah. Or are we talking day two where you're not even sure where the mandatory gear is? It's just in the one waterproof bag that says mandatory gear and you yell out, does somebody have the mandatory gear? And somebody says yes and you just keep rolling. Yeah. And you just yeah, yeah you just keep throwing throwing all your waterproof bags in the pack and. Yep. strap them on whatever so um that was something i learned from adventure racers because i used to be well coming from a roadie background you know everything had to be in a spot and put away right. and yeah now it's just like shove it in wherever it goes see i use i use multiple waterproof bags mm -hmm. so like everything's kind of got a spot and then i'll label them so like one bag will say med kit and another one will say mandatory gear and blah 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 so yeah. So at least What's, you know you got it or somebody's got it and it's labeled and it kind of floats around as people get tired or 
you know, big pack, little pack kind of stuff. Yep. As soon as they come out with a nice Nylasil clear bag, I'm all over it. But until then, I'll stick with my greens and blues and oranges, oranges from um, Sea to Summit. Yep. You know, those seem to last the longest. Yeah. And stay the most waterproof. I uh, actually get, and I don't know who the brand is, but I get them at, uh, they're in the Midwest called Running Supply, and they're kind of a f supply farm store. But they have a pretty good um, yeah. uh, camping section you know outdoor section and they're cheap i don't know who makes them but they're really really cheap for me they last pretty good i think um for racing they might not last as long so that'll work for me so you know if you need a last minute one um walmart sells them they're not the greatest yeah. and the roll top on them doesn't always line up perfectly so you want to you know, during a race, you're going to want to spend an extra 20, 30 seconds just making sure it closed mm -hmm. right. But if if the day before a race, you need a waterproof bag kind of yeah. thing, swing by your yeah. local Walmart. I've done it before, and, you know, they last a few races, and, and they're not as good as some of the others, but they'll certainly get you through. Get you there. So how much – how how happy are you if you're in a race and you know there's a Walmart within, like, 10 miles of the headquarters? I You know what? It depends on how I'm getting to the mm -hmm. race, Randy. Like if I'm driving there with my car and I've had a lot of prep yeah. time, um, then it's just nice to know, mm -hmm. right? But if I'm flying in and I'm flying light, then that's a huge deal. You know, where's Walmart between me and the race start? Especially if it's an expedition race where instead of paying the baggage fee, I'm just buying a, a bin on the way there in the rental car kind of yep. thing. Then it's huge. I mean, that's a Walmart, Target, Home Depot, man. There you go can't be the, the big three exactly yeah right yeah. i know at uh expedition idaho in 11 the the walmart was like across the parking lot from the race headquarters so yeah there was a there was a lot of gear purchased those two days oh yeah, yeah. well you know it, there's times where you just look at your pile and you're like you know what i've got I've got a helmet and, and the mandatory gear and, and all the other stuff is nice. And if I don't have it, I can, I can beg, borrow, steal, or buy it at Walmart or, you know, whatever. When I get to the race, yeah. it's not worth losing sleep over. Yeah. I like that attitude. <laughs> so yeah. I'm, I'm guessing you don't stress too much before a race. Um, you know, I would love to say that's true. Uh, I think my wife would, would say the opposite. I stress a lot less now than I did several years ago. I, I was the guy who, when I, the first time I tried to pack everything three days before a race, I was so worried that I didn't pack it all that I unpacked everything the day of the day I was leaving and repacked it all in my driveway. And about then one of my teammates showed up and he was like, I thought you were packed. And, I was, and you know, this was, I don't know, five, six years ago and I said I was, but I'm yeah. now, you know, that was days ago. I'm, I'm worried. Yeah. So since then, I'm, you know, I'm a retired military guy. So I've got a loadout list of everything imaginable in a spreadsheet, and now I just print that off, line it up with the race director's mandatory gear, bounce that off of emails that, you know, whatever team I'm racing with, who's doing what on the, you know, the strobe light or the pack wraps, you know, the anomalous stuff. And um, then I take my spreadsheet and I X out all the stuff I don't need. And then the rest of it, I walk in the garage with a spreadsheet, and I've got a pretty organized garage. My wife's 
uh, really good at organization. So I've got everything labeled in bins and boxes and drawers in my garage. And um, I can pack now in a few hours what used to take, you know, half a day. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's a lot of people listening right now that hate you. Um, yeah, it's taken a long time to get like this. Right. And, and, yeah. um, I, I really, I have, I have 25 years of military career where, you know, that's part of your loadout. Right. So mm -hmm. that's a way of life when you're a young pup in the military. And then I've got a wife who just got sick of me agonizing and stressing over stupid stuff. Right. So, and, and it was, it was having a negative impact on the days before a race. So there's, there's already enough going on in the, in the race and last minute changes and whatever. So, um, I still stress and I take, you know, probably twice as much time as I should with it, but I can knock it out in, a, in probably a, a morning or an afternoon, even for a big race now. Yeah. That's a, you know, I, and I understand that cause I'm, I'm sort of that way. I have bins with every, you know, all my gear labeled in it. And, you know, I'm not quite as much as just go grab it. I set all that stuff out on the floor and then I start picking and choosing. So, Oh, I, I definitely yeah. do that too, you know, and, yeah. and there's different stuff for different races, right? Or like, yeah. like we talked about before, I'll, I'll, the hardest races are always the beginning of the, of the first races of the year mm -hmm. because you broke something in your last big race of the year and you've forgotten about it over the winter because you didn't use, you know, whatever piece of kit that was, right? Yeah. And then all of a sudden it's four days before the race and you just assume that piece of kit is good to go. And you're like, oh, nuts. You know, I, yeah. how am I going to fix this, replace it, whatever. You know, that's, yeah. that's where some stressors start to, that's, that's when Amazon two-day shipping comes into play, right? Yes, absolutely. So, but, um, well, let's, this been a great chat already. <laughs> let's go to the beginning. Sure. How did how did you become an adventure racer? Um, my first adventure-esque style race was in 1994 when I did the best ranger competition. Um, and we dropped out on the road march, which is you know I don't know 14 hours into the event. Um, so that was that was a, a tough deal, and um. You know, the, the bitter taste of, of, you know, dropping out of an event uh, kind of gives you a drive to, to, to seek more challenges like that, or it does for me. So mm -hmm. um, the training for that and, and being a part of that uh, way back then was a really cool thing. And then, and then my career took me other places, so I did a bunch of, of fun stuff and, and got to have a great career with great people. Um, and one guy I had ran into was was somebody who'd actually been on Don Mann's team in the Wayback Machine. Uh, <clears throat> boy, I, I ran into him at dive school, and his name's Alan Holmes. He had been the the Army guy who was a navigator for Don Mann back in the Raid de Goa and Eco Challenge. And he and I ended up being friends, and I can remember some of the training events he was doing then, and that was 1997. So I'm like, this adventure racing stuff really sounds cool. And I just didn't didn't have a place in my life for that. Uh, fast forward to 2007, and now I'm polishing a desk with my butt all day for the Army and, and in staff positions. And uh, 
suddenly I've got time and desire to, to be out and, and doing something like that. So I was no longer on a, on a special forces team and hanging out with the boys and I missed the camaraderie of a team. So it all kind of fit. And I started adventure racing and putting together, I started team halfway there on the East coast and, uh, got to race with incredible people. Uh, a friend of mine started something called the on point foundation, which was a 501c3 to raise awareness for disabled vets and asked me to captain an adventure racing team for that. And I said, sure. Then we got together with Odyssey and Odyssey on point was, was, was created. And I started at that point racing for that, or I, that that's what I did. And that's when I started racing with Mark Latanzi and Jennifer Moose. And, um, you know, we kind of, we took our racing to the next level and Andy Bacon and Charlie Roberts and really the genesis of the people, uh, Sarah Dahlman, that about seven people that I raced with for, man, I think 2009 on 2010 up until, you know, now I've started racing with more and more people over the last few years. And presently, um, I'm, I, I just became the captain for the Happy Mutant main nerve team. And then along the way, we picked up main nerve, which is a cybersecurity company uh, that focuses on small and micro businesses for um, business owners protecting their equities in the cyber world. So we picked them up as a sponsor. Uh, and that gets us to where we're at. I'm, I'm fortunate that I'm raising awareness for the Green Beret Foundation, a 501c3, another one. And um, I'm also affiliated with USMES. So I think, you know, Ron Flick. So he's, yep. he's the face of that in the adventure racing community. So, yeah. so that's, that kind of end caps me. I retired from the military uh, as a Green Beret December 1st. We've relocated to the mountains in North Georgia. And my wife and I started a, um, an LLC, Mountain Race Company. And I'm actually the course designer for the upcoming... Florida Extreme Race, September 17th, the Bear. It's in my backyard in Blairsville, so I'm putting the course together for them and trying to make a go of it as a, as a professional athlete. So, uh, career number two, right? Yeah, and, you know, I'm, I'm chasing my passions, right? I mean, I, I literally yeah. live on top of a mountain. Um, I'm, I'm four miles away from the, the Duncan Ridge Trail, so my dogs and I are out, run, are out running a lot there, and... Um, you know, we're, I'm healthy. I'm not injured this year. So, so, you know, we just consider ourselves really blessed that, that, you know, every day we, we wake up and we pinch ourselves and we're like, holy cow, what, what an awesome life. Yeah. I kind of, Hey, I know what you mean. We're like that, except we're not on a hill. We're in the, we're in the, uh, little pocket between two ridges. So, well, I think out there you kind of need to do that or you're going to hear that wind howling until your roof comes off. Buddy. That uh, is true. There's a half a dozen trees out in the uh, lawn, in quotation marks, that I got to get cleaned up. But um, yeah, so and and quite honestly, here in the Black Hills, you get up on the top of the hill, you got to cut all the damn trees down, or you can't see anything anyway. So exactly. Well, it's like that here in North Georgia where I'm at. Um, so. My trees are down, but my neighbors aren't. So yeah, seven months out of the year, I got great views, and and the other five months, I live in a treehouse, which which I actually like, right? It's, it's, yeah. 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 Um, okay. Here's kind of a s stupid question, but I'm sort of known for that. And don't take it the wrong way, but is adventure racing 
kind of the closest thing that civilians will get to, to the camaraderie of the military? It is for me, certainly. I mean, that, 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 it's not at all a stupid question. Um, when, you look at, when you look at how you build a team or, or one of the ways to build a team, you, in, you put people together with common interests. Mm-hmm. You create stressors, real or imagined, and then you watch the bonding that occurs. And um, whether it's uh, a, a, a difficult military school, a basic training, an advanced training, uh, ranger school, special force assessment selection, you know, any one of these slew of things, all these military courses that are difficult have that, that same theme. And 100% in adventure racing, that's what, one of the reasons I was drawn to it is, is I found myself where I wasn't on a special forces team. I didn't have that camaraderie. Um, and I missed it. I missed it a lot. So, uh, uh, creating, creating, you know, this, this, uh, pseudo reality of adventure racing, it's a microcosm of life and it 100%. It's not, it's not a bad question at all. It's, it's right on the money. And I've raced with other SF guys over the years and other military people on and off. And, um, you know, some some of the best friends I have in the world are either people I was in the military with or people that are my teammates. I mean, if you go through the call log on my phone, it, it's my teammates. We're all very close. Yeah. And those are relationships that I cherish. And it's, it's because of those shared experiences. They've 100 percent seen the very worst of me and hopefully at least some of the best of me. So yeah. interesting. Yeah, I, I that was my feeling that it's kind of like that. But but by the I think by what I mean by a dumb question is civilians in the military are not the same. We don't have to, uh, uh, we don't have people shooting at us usually. You don't. No. And that's a good thing. Um, although of course it's happened with JD who comes up in most of your podcasts anyway, but we've definitely JD and I have had, uh, people pull shotguns on us in the middle of the night that happened at Equinox Traverse last year. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And it happened. Uh, which not shotguns, but machetes for I think Gaspasi in Costa Rica. They ran into some moonshiners. Oh boy! <laughs> so what? Yeah, it is. Um, can you? How do you know somebody's going to be a good teammate? So that's a funny question. Um, <laughs> no, it's an interesting question. I'm very, very selective in who I race with, uh, much more so than like JD will race with anybody. And I, I really think yeah. you could set JD's feet on fire and freeze his hands off. And he'd smile so much that he still has two elbows and two ankles. That's yeah. just, that's JD. He'll race with anybody. He always has a great time. It's just super positive. Yeah. I, I look at, I look at people who are on a race course that are positive mm-hmm. and have a good vibe to them and seem to be uh, a good fit for the team. I can't think of anyone I've raced with in the last several years that I haven't raced alongside of before. You know, everybody starts somewhere, yeah. right? Yeah. But um, it's been a long time since I've just raced with somebody that I didn't. It's been Wow, a very long time since somebody's just said, "Hey, I know you don't know this guy. Do you want to race with him?" Everybody I race with, I've I've seen on race courses and been impressed with them, and then reached out to him and said, "Hey, you know, I'd 
I, I would love an opportunity to race with you at this race. You know, let's see if we yeah. can put something together. So, um, sort of the flip side of that is, I think one of my rules of adventure racing is everybody's got at least one team implosion behind them. And I, it, my question is yes or no for you. Um, yeah. In fact, I, I'll, sh- I'll share one because, because we talk about it. It's a great lesson to learn. We were at, we were at Untamed New England, not the last one, the one before that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was myself, Andy Bacon, Charlie Roberts, and Jennifer Moose. And both Charlie Roberts and Andy Bacon are exceptional navigators. And we just had a tough section where the reality is that everybody thought somebody else had grabbed the right map. We ended up with a snowmobile map on, on foot trails and it killed us and we lost a couple hours. Yeah. Uh, did a TA that should have, that was, you know, longer than it should have been, came out TA and we're still racing and, and having a good time. And, um, now the navigation has shifted from Charlie to Andy and we kind of come to a crux of, should we go left, right kind of thing. And, um, Andy said, you know, I, I'm pretty sure, you know, th- there's an issue here, but I'm pretty sure we should go this way. And, and Charlie says, well, I think you're wrong. I think we should go that way. And then I waited in and looked at the map and I'm like, well, Charlie, you, you're not the navigator anymore. Andy is. And, um, um, I agree with Andy and Charlie was a little pissed and threw his compass compass at me and, and told me if I wanted to navigate, I could. And I, <laughs> I said, I'm not navigating. I'm making decisions. Andy's navigating, pick up your damn compass and let's go. And, um, you know, it could have been a volatile situation, but like I said before, we're all really good friends. And I think that yeah. a lot of, um, uh, relationship, equity in a bank, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so if that had been somebody I'd never raced with, you know, that could have been disastrous. And in, we were laughing about it 20 minutes later and continue to laugh about it and use it as a teaching point or a reminder of, hey, you know, kind of cool your jets across the board. You know, because certainly I, I could have been, I'm sure, more um, diplomatic in how I handled that, right? Instead of just abruptly yeah. saying, hey, you're not navigating, you know, that we were several days into a race, blah, blah, blah. But there's yeah. all of us could have done things probably better. But the reality is it worked out just fine. And, you know, and if that's as yeah. big of a, a huge implosion as, as I've got to deal with, then I'm going to thank my lucky stars. And there's been other things like that over the years. But again, racing with friends gives you or it gives gives all of us an ability to have moments like that and then get over them. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's important. Well, the important thing was 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 Andy right? <laughs> he sure was. Yep. He sure okay. was. And guess go. what? He was also the guy holding the map, right? Yeah. Charlie was remembering. Andy was holding a map. So that's yeah. that's usually my default position. Whoever's got the map, unless it's something crazy, we're just going with the guy with the map because he's got the map for a reason, or the girl for that. Hey, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um, I had to go back to one one more military question. And over the years, and I, and honestly, I've never seen this, but there's been, I've heard stories of military teams that just don't work in adventure racing. Um, why? You know, I know I'm sure there's team, I'm sure there's teams that have done just fine too, but I've heard stories of teams just, you know, I, coming in gung ho and yeah. So when I started, uh, I raced with people I knew, so it was predominantly military people. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I would I would say that it's it's just different. Military navigation is is different. It doesn't have an orienteering focus. It's very there's a terrain focus, but it's very map compass direction azimuth pace count. So yeah. that is a way of getting from point A to point B, right? And it's a good way of doing it. But it's certainly not route selection centric and it's certainly not the fastest way to get to a point. You know, if you want to if you want to be a great navigator, do a lot of adventure racing and start orienteering and doing row gains. You know, that's yeah. that's that's you know, spend a lot of time with a map in your hand. And that's that's not what the military teaches. It's a different animal. Um it's it's an apples oranges thing i I think more than anything and it's uh expectation management you know uh yeah i i i I think there's certainly military people out there that excel at this sport and i don't know of any all military teams that have been exceptionally good since the don man seal team in the kind of the inception of the sport i haven't really seen or heard maybe doing real well but with the with the with the eco challenge going away and funding going away, you know, the military didn't really focus on it either. Yeah. There's that part. Well, I always, I always say, you know, Paulette raced with three Marines at primal quest badlands. And, and I, my point always being, well, but if part of the race was people shooting at you, they would have been a hell of a team. Oh yeah. Especially if they could shoot back, you know, and, yeah. and that's, that's probably one of the biggest things, Randy, is when we look at what's been going on globally, Mm-hmm. If you're an active duty military body, you're spending a large amount of your time in one or two sandboxes or preparing to go to one or two sandboxes or coming home from them and spending quality time with your family and your loved ones. So, you know, unless you're a senior NCO or officer or somebody who's doing a staff position like I was, you don't have the time to adventure race. You just, or if you do, you don't have the time to, to train and log the kind of the, the kind of quality training because you're too busy either preparing for combat or being in a combat environment. And that that's your priority, not, hey, I got to go get my my, you know, hour and a half run followed by hour of yoga followed by rolling it out. I mean, that just does th- those things don't exist in your life when when you're rolling around a sandbox. Yeah, which is good for good for the rest of us sort of sucks for them. Yeah, and that's why, you know, when I was a younger cat, I heard about this, but I just, I couldn't execute on it. There's yeah. too much life going on yeah, and, and, and work, so. Yeah. Um, since you mentioned training, are you a, uh, a heart rate guy or what's over the next ridge kind of guy? You know, right now, I I haven't worn a heart rate monitor in probably a year. Uh, I, yeah. I flip-flop. Uh, I'll get real unstructured in my training. And then I'll have a coach like like Ronnie Angel from Odyssey has coached me on and off over the years. And he does everything from just fitness coaching to lifestyle coaching. Mm-hmm. Um, then I'll self-coach for a while. And then I'll just say, you know, I'm doing unstructured training and I just want to hit, you know, an average of 12 to 14 or 15 hours a week. You know, whatever it is that I've, I've laid out that kind of jives with with, um, you know, whatever races I have coming up or how my how my calendar's built for the next, you know, three to 12 months. Yeah. Um, so, so it, it depends. I go in cycles. I'll, if I do too much structured training, I burn out after about a year. 
and I get, I get hurt and I'm not saying don't do it cause I'll get in the best shape of my life. But I, for me, I over train when I do that. If I stay unstructured, I enjoy my training a lot more. And I've, I've found it at my age, I'd rather be at 90% of my best fitness with no injury than the best, most fit I've ever been. And at my ideal weight and all these other metrics, but with some sort of niggling injury. Because come day two, day three, it shows up in a race, and then the effect it has on your team space is, is so detrimental. You know? Yeah, yeah, makes sense. Um, Belize, were you surprised how well you did? Or you, were you, did you go in there thinking, yeah, that's, we could be there? Um, yeah, so, so, you know, as, as, our, as our team has matured over the years, um, I – I've I've been telling people and uh, that that my goal is is to put together a team and be one of the top five teams in the next in the world in the next three years. Yeah. So going into Belize, um, I, I when I when Peter Yalis got hurt, uh, it was team internal that we were shooting for the podium, and then when we had to replace him, the emails I sent out. Uh, I said, "Hey, we're we're looking for a podium finish. That's our you know our our team goal is we we think we can top three this race. You know that's what we're shooting for going in. So, um, you know, I I knew American Medical Kits would be the team to beat. Yeah, or excuse me, Adventure Medical Kits. Sorry, Kyle. Um, we we, we you got really close, so that's okay. I did. I, did. <laughs> I didn't call them Tech New Medical Kits, so I'll, I'll that's put a feather. Yeah. Um, no, I, I, I knew Adventure Medical Kits would be the team to beat, and I knew that there were some really good teams coming from all over the place. I also knew that um, on Wednesdays, we wear Pink America was going to be a real strong team. I mean, those they're, they're incredible race. In fact, I've raced with everybody on that team except um, their navigator, the cat from Dart. Uh, so, you know, I, I, that was our goal, and um, we raced our own race, and, you know, we came out we came out in, in a place where we were real happy with at the end, you know, there wasn't a whole lot that, that we could have or would have done differently with hindsight other than, you know, little things that you just can't predict. Like we put a, we put an 18 inch gash in the bottom of our boat and that cost us an hour and a half. We hit something in the river that we never saw. It came to complete stop. Those aren't things you can see or do anything about. That just happens. So it's, yeah. you know, how do you deal with that is really what's important as opposed to, you know, lamenting. Worrying about it. Yeah, yeah. it just is, you know. Yeah. Um, so when you did that, though, is there a little, a moment or two of like, oh, crap? I mean, or almost even a little woe was us and then. Well, snap out of it and there's figure it out. There's certainly an old crap because your boat's sinking, right? But it was on the yeah. first battle. It's on the first day. And yeah. we're, you know, there's eight, there's six teams battling for second place. And we're all, you know, 12, 15, 15, 20 minutes behind um, the venture medical kits. So you know exactly where you are. We're, you're right. All these boats are together. Yeah. Um, so when it happens, you know, that, that stinks. And you want to fix it, but you also, all of us have raced enough to, to know that this is day one of four. So it stinks to lose an hour and a half that early. Cause you're not getting a, you don't get a return on, on your downtime, mm. but uh, you know, you're still fresh enough to have good innovative ideas. And, you know, we did a, you know, I, I tried to MacGyver it and fix it and that didn't work. And, 
And James uh, came up with an idea of, hey, you know, let's just put it on tow. I'll sit in the back with two water bottles with the tops off and just bail. Mm -hmm. And all three of you get in the front boat and paddle. And that's what we did. And, you know, it worked. And uh, yeah. we, we lost, you know, probably an hour and a half. But, uh, you know, so be it, right? I mean, it just, it is. And then, and then we, you know, throughout the race, obviously, you know, all these teams have their problems, right? I mean, yeah. Kyle put a gash in his boat. Horribly, the Colombians put in and put a gash in their boat in the same exact spot because we, we put in right with them and they just gashed. It was horrible. You know, and it's yeah. a terrible way to be neck and neck with a team and then watch that happen. You know, that just, that stinks. Um, I felt it, all of us were just like, oh, those poor guys, you know. And yeah. um, So everybody had their, you know, it's adventure racing, right? I mean, that's, that's yep. part of it is everybody faces the same challenges and then everybody faces unique challenges to their team, whether it's sickness, illness, you name it, right? And it's all yeah. the things that you don't see coming. And then really what defines the great teams is, is how they handle that, both what they do to problem solve and as a team, how they handle that, whether they internalize it and let it ruin their race or whether they take it in, absorb it and just roll with it. Right. And, and the best teams do that the fastest. They, they problem solve fast. They come up with viable solutions and they move on. Yeah. And, well, I mean, that's kind of what you guys had to do the first whole day or so with Andy, right? Is just... He was sick and he had to deal with it. I yeah, mean, that, that really, you know, if, if I was going to change anything, I, I think I, I should have knocked the bike pace back a little night one. You know, it, actually, as we reflect on the course, we talked about this afterwards. As the race went on, uh, well, you and I had talked before the race. My, my race per time projections were off quite a bit. You know, it's just yeah. those were my best case times. I had worst case times, too. And. And those were actually pretty close, but, um, the, the best taste times were off. So we adjusted at each TA, Hey, you know, we projected, you know, for instance, 10 hours in the next section, given how everything's going, it's probably going to take 14. So we would add food and mentally we would recalibrate, but what we didn't do was adjust our sleep schedule. So mm -hmm. we continued with a sleep schedule that was commensurate with about a three and change day race vice the four day race that we had. And, and that bit us in the butt. Had we on that second night slept instead of for an hour and a half slept for three hours. Um, I think, I think we would have done a lot better because it was the third day out on the Pine Ridge area when it was really, really hot that, um, that we, we were struggling and going the slowest that we went. Now, I don't know if you know this, but we were all sick the whole race, too. James and I, the morning of, woke up with a, a stomach bug. And by yeah. day 24 hours in, Andy had it, too. And by, by before day three, the whole team was sick. And that, yeah. that um, you know, it wasn't debilitating cramps or anything, so that was good. But it certainly affected electrolytes, hydration, and then just hours of downtime, you know, finding um, – um, bathrooms along the course, that sort of thing. Uh, yeah. So that that had a, a, a an impact on a race, but even there, you know, we just we kind of laughed about it. I mean, there's nothing you can do. You either quit racing, and we weren't going to do that. So, you know, it, that would probably that would be the one thing I would have changed about that race is night two added another hour and a half of sleep. We would have gotten instead of one sleep cycle, we would have got two full sleep cycles, and I think it would have paid off 
probably within six hours because we got up and did that pavement ride over to um oh come on the big temple uh kahal yeah Yeah. Yeah. and we did that back pavement um yeah so had we just slept a little bit more i I think that would have but other than that, I mean, we had a great race. Talk about a phenomenal team. I mean, James is so strong. Andy's an incredible racer, off the hook navigator, and and Rachel Furman. My gosh, talk about a talk about a phenomenal racer, uh, and a phenomenal female racer. But gender aside, just just super strong racer. So yeah, it's interesting. Great potential you, with that team. Yeah, yeah. That's a long, a lot of uh, strength there. Um. Do you guys do a, like a formal debrief after a race, or is it just sitting around drinking beer and talking about it? Um, this time it was sit around. In fact, I owe them a conference call so we can do a formal one. Okay. Uh, usually I, I, I like to do that because I, I think you you only learn if you identify things that, you know, if I think we had this great race, but the rest of the team's like, hey, dude, you know, you were slow in every transition and you didn't come prepared. You know, then you got to recalibrate you know, who you are is, you know, and what you're doing and, you know, manage other people's expectations and kind of gin it all up. So if you don't have those candid talks with each other, you know, you don't fix issues. You don't, you got to identify the issue to fix the issue. Yeah. Um, But that's one thing we do is, is when we do identify issues, you know, all of us are, you don't just say, Hey, this is a problem. You say, Hey, this is a problem. And these are the three solutions I think are, are viable. Let's pick one. Yeah. 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 Um, so with the new team, are you going to have a, you know, core of racers? Yeah. So, I mean, I, the Odyssey racers, uh, Mark Latanzi, Sarah Nauman, Jen Moose, Andy Bacon, um, you know, we'll, we'll uh, Charlie Roberts, I think we'll all continue to always race together. I know Mark mm-hmm. and Andy are racing as uh, Happy Mutant Main Nerve in the breakdown race. Um, okay. And then I'm, I, I'm kind of expanding because I've, I've got to have uh, people at all the Happy Mutant races, and they're all over the country, and they're three days long. So I, yeah. I, I just physically can't get to every one of those races right now. I can't get yeah. to that. So I've expanded the list of people I usually reach out to, and uh, I've got a pretty big pool of people that I'm talking to about racing with this year. I'd like to keep it a core simply because so much of it is U- USARA-centric, right? So it's points in the series, yeah. but... But that's not the priority. The priority is to have a competitive team at each of those events and, and represent Toby and, and the Happy Mutant uh, uh, series in, in the best way possible. possible. So my job is to, to reach out to all, to all the good racers out there that I think are available and, uh, and that I want to race with and, and put together the best team for each of those events. Yeah. So I think it will be, um, be a squad probably bigger and more looking like a, a rev three broad brush than a, a core people that said okay. you know you know um you know the number two priority is to lay down points for the adventure racing world series so we're trying to put something together for cowboy tough and if things work out and we got some irons in the fire with different sponsors if that all pans out then then we'll have a team at worlds and we'll be in bib number five so that's all up in the pretty, air right now yeah that's pretty exciting so but so for worlds you just you'll take your pool and pick the pick the four best that can go. Yeah, no, but we've got to I've got to relook the rules, but I believe we've got to have 
two people who were in Belize. Yep, I think that's correct. So I know Rachel is more than interested, and I, I certainly am. Um, so, in fact, she and I were just talking about this the other day. So there's two. So, you know, I, I've, got, yeah. I've, I've got a lot of people that are interested, and then it's, it's putting the best people together. You know, ideally, I, it's, the crux is that world-class navigator, right? You know, somebody yeah. who's a, a Bob Miller or an Alex Provost or – or, um, yeah. you know, that, that if you, well, you can probably talk to this even better than I, but when you look at the top five teams in the world, you often see the top seven navigators in the world. Yes. Yes. Well, that's it. Not only do you need a world-class navigator, you need a almost world-class navigator f for your number two. Yeah. And that's something Seagate has crushed. You know, they did that this year. Yeah. Yeah. So, so well, that'll be interesting. Um, all right. More about you. Where, where is your favorite place you've ever raced? Oh man. Um, I really, really liked, uh, this last police race, but you know, if you asked me that after most races, I'd probably tell yeah. you it was the last race I did. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, like which is your favorite kid, right? Yeah, the one, yeah, that, yeah, the exactly. last one that didn't. All right, let, let's do the flip side. Where's the last place you raced and you got done, and it was like, let's just get the hell out of here. Oh man, I I don't know that I've ever had a get the hell out of here moment. Um, I've had some some bad races where, you know, for a long time I struggled with throwing up and, and uh, you know, until I moved to real food and, and like feed zone portable, so a lot of rice and waffles, that kind of thing. I had a lot of stomach issues. Um, I had a lot of cramping issues. Uh, and now I just eat a lot of salt. But I never, I don't think, finished a race and was like, let's get the hell out of here. I, I, I've been so fortunate that I've had just incredible teammates, right? So yeah. even the worst races – there's always a silver lining. Yeah. So I, now I can tell you the last cold race, I did a row game in Indiana uh, in January. And when I was done with that, I had, I, it, it was just cold. And I was, yeah. I was happy to be done with that. And I, I think I said to my teammates, I said, this is why I don't do cold races very often. <laughs> that, was, that was 17 hours on our feet outside and it probably dropped down to like, you know, 12 degrees at night and everything that had been wet during the day was just ice. So you, you're on your ass a few times on black ice. And I, I don't particularly like that. If you're going to give me that, I, I'd just soon be in the mountains and, you know, coming up a glacier and, and doing, you know, put on my crown and kick into the snow and at least have a view of, a, you know, of a hundred miles kind of thing. Yeah. Having fun instead of being miserable. Or put my skins on, right. And just skin up something if I'm going to deal with that. Yeah. Yep. So, hey everybody, legendary Randy Erickson here, jumping in with a quick word from Journey Racing. Their Nomad is an epic 48-hour race full of adventure. This race is ideal to get your feet wet in multi-day adventure racing. Just finishing this race will be a feat, and clearing the course will earn you the elite title of Nomad. Expect rugged mountain adventure in the wilds of Colorado. The Nomad will include gravel and single-track mountain biking, bushwhacking, boulder scrambling, trekking, 
and navigation, and on top of everything else, a hair-raising guided whitewater trip through the Royal Gorge. Pretty cool. Um, the Nomad will be the race of your life. Coming June uh, 10th through the 12th of this summer, 2016, with pre-race events beginning on the 9th. Check out our show notes for links to the race, and uh, hopefully we'll see you there. I'm going to be there. Um, what's your favorite piece of gear? I guess it depends on the event, right? So when I'm on my feet, it's 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 either my socks or my shoes. Because yeah, everything else I can not have. But if those things are messed up, you're you're in a hurt locker. Mm-hmm. If I'm on my bike, um, I love my bike. I've got a roll off hub that I really like. I got a, my bike's pretty dialed. But on that bike, it's it's having the saddle that fits just right, right? Because it's it, yeah. Who cares if if your saddle's a hundred grams heavier than the lightest saddle out there? If you're if you can sit down on day three of a race and pedal, yep. you're putting out a ton more watts than anybody who can only stand at that point. Yeah. yeah. So probably the saddle on my bike. You know, I've got a pretty worn in old Silverado that I that I really like. Um, so. And then when I'm paddling, oh man, I I love my my Epic four piece carbon. That thing's been through. I've had that for so many years. I fixed it with super glue and duct tape and Tyvex tape, but I have I. What I've done to that paddle is just sinful. Like the paddle gods have looked at me and 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 they're gonna punish me someday for for how I've used that thing. Walking stick, prying off a right. I'm very, very fortunate that that paddle's still together. Yeah. Well, you know, I think I think there's something to be said of not babying equipment. Um, you know, it's equipment and you use it. Yeah. I I, I, I think the gods like that better. That may be, because I sure as heck didn't buy it to put it on the wall, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. That's what I've learned with even with with camera gear. It's like, yeah, well, it's gonna get wet. It's gonna get dirty. It's gonna get muddy, but it's still gonna work. So, yep. Just use it. It's it's what it's what you're there for. So why not use it? That's a good point. Yeah, you're you're right on the money. And you know what? I I hope you're right with the paddle gods because <laughs> they probably are quite proud of the things that they probably looked at it and gone, I didn't know that anybody could do that with a paddle. Not that they mm-hmm. should, but wow. But, but you can. So. Yep. Yeah. Well, hopefully we didn't jinx it. So knock on wood. There we go. Hey, even um, if you did, seriously, I've gotten five times the use out of that power that, that I ever expected I'd get. So. So well, that's good. Um, is there one one of the disciplines that you like better than the others? Yes, the one I'm about to do. Okay. And the, and your least favorite is the one you're just finishing, right? Yes. <laughs> Without a doubt. Yep. Because that's when your feet hurt, your butt hurts, your back hurts, your hands hurt, whatever it is, right? Yep. Yeah. 100%. Yep. Yeah. As long as you can do something different. Yep. Um, food. Are you, what, do, what do you eat in a four-day race? Um, if it is in the States, the... The day I travel, if I'm traveling in the afternoon, the morning of, if not the day before, uh, my wife makes Speed Zone portables. So she'll make rice cakes with raspberry and mint and rice cakes with peanut butter and jelly and wraps them up in aluminum foil and puts them in a Ziploc bag. And then she'll make homemade waffles and put peanut butter on some and Nutella on others and wrap them up. And they're all about 200 calories each. And I'll use that for... Um, 
the first two, sometimes three days of a race. The rice only lasts about a day, yeah. um, day and a half tops. The waffles I can get about three days out of, and then they go bad. Uh, and then by day four, you know, at that point, I don't want any of my food. I only want my teammates' food and vice versa, so that kind of works yeah. out. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I've grossly, you know, I, I, I always – for a section, I usually have the right amount of food, but I have an extra bag of food, right? So if in a four-day race, I'll probably pack, you know, eight 12-hour bags, right? And then I'll mm-hmm. pack another bag that's just extra. And it's all the stuff that I look at and I know I like to eat, but it hasn't made it into those um, eight bags. Yeah, yeah. Well, and that's that, the hard part, right? Knowing what you're going to want on day three. Yeah, it is. And and it depends, too, on, you know, where the race is at. If, if you've got... If you've got access to cities or gas stations, um, you know, a McDonald's or an Arby's or a Subway, that's day two, day three food that's a game changer, you know? Vice, if the whole thing is real remote, like like some of the untamed races or some other races I've done, where where you're just, you only have what you have. Um, it just, it, it affects what you're bringing. I, I really like real food that, that my stomach does well with that. So, yeah. Yeah. I, I think maybe it's just, it is adventure racing, but I also, it seems like more and more people have gone to real food instead of bars and goos and gels and stuff just cause it tastes so much better. Yeah. And you know, it, so there's a, there's a quandary, right? I read a lot about mm-hmm. nutrition. Um, if you told me to go do yard work all day or go, you know, cut down a tree and, and then cut up firewood all day. So it'd be a, a relatively strenuous activity, but it wouldn't be anaerobic. It'd be aerobic mm. and told me to eat goose all day. Yeah. After about an hour and a half, I'd tell you that I probably just am going to skip eating. <laughs> yeah. Right. So, yep. so I don't really train like that. And if I had to sit in front of my TV and eat, gels and and bars all day i i would that would only last a few hours and then i wouldn't like it so mm-hmm. for me to do it in a place where my digestive system's already compromised it just doesn't work well for me yeah um, other people it works great for so you know what w- you got to figure out what works for you and, and the disparity between you know even teammates is pretty huge so it yeah. took me a long time to figure out what works for me uh so i'm i'm happy and my wife's a phenomenal cook and you know, that's a fun time in the kitchen with us together anyway. So it, it kind of works out. There you go. Yeah, I've, I've been there, done that. I mean, I I did 12-hour mountain bike races with, you know, 10 goos taped to your bike, right? Yep. Oh, I've done that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my. Yeah. Don't want to go back. <laughs> no. You know, the, the eye-opener for me was, um, you know, I've done some of these races where I've just been sick as a dog, and then we – we hit like an Arby's or something, or I've been in Belize the first time they had the race and I was, I was really feeling horrible and throwing up. And then some local dude made me like, or made our team, we traded him some Pringles and like $2 and he didn't want that, but he gave us coffee, refried beans and, uh, warmed up tortillas. Yeah. And 10 minutes later I felt right as rain. And that was really, that was a couple of years ago, that was two years ago now. And that was my epiphany. That was like, you know, I, I really need to just move to real food. And Ronnie Angel from Odyssey, he always, in a 24-hour race, has two frozen burritos with him. And, the, and he didn't tell me he was doing it one of the times I raced with him. It's probably 3 in the morning, he pulls this frozen burrito out of his pack, 
He says, here, eat half this. And I was sick. And I was like, what the? He's like, dude, it's a frozen burrito. It's already cooked. It's been heating up in my pack for 12 hours, you know? And it was a game changer. So I, I try to do stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with you there. So, all right. Check yeah. that box off. Yeah. Um, what do you think will be the is the best time-wise distance racing for you? You know, four days, six days, seven days, 24 hours. So what what do you like the best and what do you think would be the best? I, you know, going into Belize, um, knowing it was billed as a four and a half day race and then thinking it would be about three and a half. I can remember the morning of day four and saying to my teammates, you know, um, I know we've been out here longer than we thought we would, but I'm really happy because it's so hard to get four day races. Three day races are hard enough, right? But yeah. four and more day races are just so rare that um, I, I really like the opportunity to be in a race that, that was of that length. Um, I would say anything over 48, and I'm happy. Three days I like more, and, and you know anything beyond that I, I enjoy more and more. The problem is it's, it's hard with the travel, and, and um, you know, I'm, I'm fortunate now that I'm retired or semi-retired, right? Uh, yeah. Probably more like you, where I'd say I'm, I'm semi-retired because I got my finger in so many other little things. Uh, so, so you know, with with my wife Candy and I doing our own business, we can manage our own timelines. It makes it a lot easier for me to get away for an extended period of time than than most teammates. You know, I, yeah. And, and you know, I, th- I think everybody who's trying to race a lot of races or bigger races struggles with how do you get a team together of people who can who can, you know, get away to do this. It's such a great sport, but the commitments are, are so huge. Yeah. Well, I mean, I was talking with Rob, Robin Keim from South Africa earlier today. And if you go to an XBD, God's on something like that, I mean, you could be looking at four weeks, three, three weeks minimum, and probably close to four if you really want to be sure. competitive. Oh, and yeah. It's like, you know, who has that time? Right. Well, and look at Ecuador from two years ago. Uh, yeah. World's there. Almost all your top teams came in because they wanted to acclimate. So you were there at least yeah. three days early, and some teams were there for a month, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, that's it's a tough pull. You know, you've got you've to have a, a special job or you know, be at a place in your life where you can do that kind of stuff, and, and those people are anomalous. Yeah. Well, it, it didn't find four of you. <laughs> right, and then then try to say, okay, now we've got a. We want to do some qualifiers too, right? So it's yeah. not it's not. Hey, I need I need um, you know X amount of time off my job. I need that times three. Mm-hmm. And then if you've got a family, you know you you're you're struggling to balance an awful lot of stuff. Yeah, it's it's. Guess what? After a hundred plus podcasts. I realize there's ain't anything easy in adventure racing. No, but you know what? I mean, that's one of the draws to it for me, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. It's challenge, challenge, challenge and how you overcome. And, you know, again, what, what you as a team can, can collapse together, collaborate on and then generate for a solution. And that's, you know, that's, that's kind of the golden moments of AR is how you handle those difficulties together. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. That's, the high point of it sometimes. Oh, certainly. Yeah, of yeah. course. So, 
A uh, couple of more things, and then I've got a little little dog here looking at me like, are we going out? So, <laughs> have, have <you laughs> chili done, dog's ready. Have you done ready your hike today? No, no, we got home from work, and and uh, it's like, oh yeah, I gotta I gotta talk to Shane's. Better get ready. Um, you, what do you, what is your state of the union of adventure racing from your perspective right now? Oh man, I love it. I, I think that there's a lot of people with a lot of passion. Um, I think uh, I probably got into the sport in 2007 when it was kind of at a maybe a bit of a low point. Mm-hmm. Um, and now if when you go to races or even USARA Nationals, I would say that there's 12 teams every year, maybe 15. Any one of those teams could be the top three teams that year. I mean, the, the competition is is tight. There's a lot of, of really, really good, good athletes in this sport. Um, and they're good multi-sport athletes. I mean, if you look at so many of these people, they're not – they don't just adventure race and then do a few mountain bike rides. There, there are people out there killing it in cyclocross or they're doing ultras or crushing orienteering or row gain events. I mean, the caliber of people in this sport is off the hook. Um, yeah. And I think every race director out there that I, that I know personally, their heart's in the right place. Uh, they, they want the sport to grow. Um, they don't all share the same vision. And, and that's okay because it gives you different flavors at different races. In fact, I, I like that. Yeah. Uh, so I, I think it's healthy. I'd like to see it grow a bit more where I could say to a sponsor, Hey, um, you know, when this and that happens and they make a movie, you know, X amount of people are going to see it. And it's not, you know, 1 million or 5 million total. It's, you know, 40 million people are going to see it. I, you know, I'd, I'd like to see the, the media side of it grow either with the, the, um, online tracking or an integration of leaderboards and multimedia. But I think, you know, that's at complete odds with the um, remote areas where we do most of our racing. in. so until somebody kind of cracks that nut, I mean, it's just. Yeah. It, and I think it's inherent that, to our sport, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You know, the, the, the technology is coming, but you know, sat phones are still really expensive and sometimes that's the only way you can do it but correct and when you look at you know things like the tour divide or um you know some of your other ultra ultra kind of races that are pretty remote it's the same way until a racer calls in all you've got is the spot leaderboard you know and yeah and that's just the nature of that and then the onus is on those people to write up their blogs afterwards and and mm-hmm. and then you can live vicariously through that and that's kind of all there is and that, and that's okay you know, yeah. these fringe sports are, are, are fun and enticing and exciting because they're fringe sports. So, yeah. so, it's, well, the problem is we're adventure racing is the fringe of the niche. So yeah, if we could right. at least get into a niche, we'd be okay. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. You know, the thing is, I mean, the, the one thing I can't say enough positive things about is, is, um, you know, the teammates I've had over the years and yeah. I, I haven't named them all is cause I, there's not enough room, but yeah. I can't think of anybody I race with where I, where I haven't, you know, enjoyed the experience. And that's, that's what defines the sport and makes it different than the tour divide or ultra running or so many other things, you know, 
yeah. um, is is you've got this whole team effort going on, for better or for worse, and yeah. the synergy you can create is is just spectacular. When everything's firing on all cylinders, it's it's an ex- it's an incredible experience. Yeah, it, it will all be perfect. It's just as long as you don't have to race with that JD guy again, right? No, I'm already playing <laughs> him. He is so fun to race with. <laughs> well, he's more fun to make fun of. So, I'll let you make that's... fun of him, and I'll praise him. How's that? Okay, all right. That's 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 probably a good place to quit. Yeah, yeah. So, but uh, well, hey, thank well, you for your time, Randy. I appreciate it. Yeah, um, thank you. This is um, I, I learned some more stuff and uh, got some more insight. So, it was a win-win for me. Cool, 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 cool. Well, enjoy your trip. I'm going to, and we'll see you maybe Cowboy Tough. Yeah, and are you going to cover any of the Happy Mutant stuff? I know he's got a race in Iowa. I don't know if you're going to be around for that. I don't, uh, I think, because that's Memorial Day, isn't it? It is, yep. Yeah, we're, um, Paulette's doing a fast pack of the trail here in the Black Hills getting ready for, um, the Trans Pyrenees. So, oh, I'm nice. I'm Are you going with kinda, for the Trans Pyrenees? No, no, I'm going to Cowboy Tough. <laughs> oh, gotcha. Well, we kind of. It's hard to go at the same time because that's going to be like maybe a three week trip, right? At least. So, you know, yeah, you know, I'm going to God Zone. She's doing that. We have kind of decided that if I can figure out a way to get to Worlds then she might come over like you guys did have her come over after the race. Nice. We yeah. We were happy we did that. That worked out well for my wife and I. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm stealing that idea and giving you full credit. So. All right. It's a good um, way to roll, man. And, and yeah. have her come as a racer. I just have her come after the race. Cause I'm so mellow yeah. way back then. And, and yeah. you too, cause you're going to be all going 90 to nothing until the last person crosses that finish line. Well, and that's it. And if you're not, if you're not involved in an adventure race, even volunteering, and, and you are a racer, you don't want to be there. Nope. Exactly. <laughs> so, you're bored. It's silly. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. All right. Well, cool. Well, thanks for the chat. Yeah. Thank you, Randy. Take care. I'll see you soon. I look forward to it. All right. Thanks. Bye. Right, cheers.
Yeah, yeah. 